Ooh, I'm excited. We got boss fights. It's going to be an interesting one. It's a lot of the games I played, actually. I was surprised how, well, I should say there's some games that are heavy on the bosses and a lot of games I played have none. So, so it might be very uh, limited in scope here, but. That's well, kind of where I'm coming from. It's like I I looked through like all the stuff I played in 2022, and I also like just looked up like in general what the buzz is like among reviewers and whatnot. And I was like, that's that's like spread out across two games, like three if you include <laughs> Pokemon. And I haven't touched a Pokemon game in a very long time, so it's just like God of War, Elden Ring. <laughs> so I I anticipate a lot of. Uh, stepping on each other's toes there's gonna be a lot god damn it (laughs) that's half my list wiped out (laughs) pretty much like my six or seven favorites are of those two games so um i figured i'd limit myself to one of one from each game um i don't have any expectation for what you guys do but that was how i kind of thought about it well, yeah, that that's what I was gonna say. Between those two, and then uh, we also played Cuphead, so it's like, oh. kind of like, well, I have a feeling majority of them are gonna come from those three, but we'll see what happens. I don't have a Cuphead on my list, although you I play- would probably mention it in honorable mentions if if we end up doing an honorable mentions time. Yeah, we know Dave won't. So <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even consider that shit. <laughs> Hello, guys, gals, and non-binary pals. Welcome to Couch Co-op, a video game podcast. It's kind of like a book club, only for us video game nerds. I'm joined by Jack and Dave, as usual, and this time we actually have a guest host as well, my own brother Trevor from the Catching Up on Cinema podcast. Trevor, say hello. Yo, thanks for having me, bruh. Great to have you, as always. Today, we are going to go through our best boss fights boss fights of 2022 trevor was so kind to join us when we did our original list for best boss fights so now we're going to see what we had in store for this last year especially in a few major titles with some pretty memorable ones uh to fall back on but before we dive into that boys we'd like to go around the room and share what we've been playing trevor why don't you start us off (laughs) yeah sure wow uh, honestly, uh, I feel like I haven't been asked that question uh, in like face to face or on a podcast in quite some time. <laughs> so, uh, I, actually, I've been pretty excited um, because a uh, a game that I've been looking forward to for several years uh, recently entered into early access uh, just a few days ago. Honestly, like last week, uh, it's called Undisputed, uh, and it's from Steel City Games. It's apparently their first game, and it's a uh, kind of a boxing simulator kind of game uh very much in the same vein as like the fight night series from ea although that that franchise has been discontinued for a decade plus honestly um i think it was like 2009 or something uh, the last time we got one it was fight night champion um anyway the you know boxing fans like myself both of the sport and of video games based on it uh, have been starved for content <laughs> Uh, so for me, it's been so long uh, that it it doesn't matter if it's any good. And to be honest, it's an early access game. It's not any good yet. Yet being the operative word, uh, the the hope 
is that through patches and through continued fan support and uh, financial support, like from idiots like me uh, who bought the thing in early access, the hope is that eventually it'll be a playable, solid, fun game. But for now, it it has a lot of liabilities. The controls are kind of wonky. Um, it is a British developed game, and the roster is very biased uh, towards the UK talent pool, which, as an American, uh, doesn't doesn't sit well with me personally. But that's my bias showing. But I, I've I put in about twelve hours in the past week and a half or so, and I, I it's not been frustrating to the point that I can't enjoy myself. Um, but it I actually took it upon myself to write a review for it. Uh, I've never done that on Steam before, but. Uh, I figured they could use some input. Uh, hopefully they listen uh, to folks like myself and others. Uh, and hopefully it ends up being a good game. But for now, not quite there yet. <laughs> but so, Did you give it a rating or is it just like a kind of feedback? Uh, on Steam, I I don't think you give number ratings. It's more just a recommend or don't recommend. Uh, so I gave it a don't recommend with the caveat being I, I will flip it. Uh, to a positive, to a recommend, like in the event that they do patch it and it does become worthy of it. Uh, so, but for now, though, I, I did give it a negative. Right on, Jack. What have you been up to lately? Well, you know how seriously I take my role as aggregator on this pod. Usually, I just use my powers to make fun of how Matt always switches his uh, best top fives and whatnot. But uh, today, I have actually <laughs> got it. <laughs> that's that's pretty fair i mean ever since uh <laughs> no. <laughs> all right anyway this is why i normally do this when my wife's at work but um that was gold she's here today. gold <laughs> serious gold <laughs> well anyway today i'm turning the crosshairs on myself because uh my first game i'm going to talk about and rave about is a bethesda game and you know how i love to shit on bethesda um, but I'm playing Hi-Fi Rush, and this game is, frankly, it's awesome. Um, I see a lot of comparisons gameplay-wise to, like, uh, Bayonetta meets, like, a rhythm game because of the gameplay. But but to me, I think of, like, the opening couple scenes in Baby Driver and mix that with just the fun joy of Wonderful 101, and that's the medley I got because it's, like, this bumping soundtrack throughout the entire game. It just It just everything's landing on the beat the whole world's moving and it's these awesome cell shaded graphics i don't know it's just this really fun game and um i have no rhythm and yet i'm still having a blast going through this game my uh five-year-old picked up controller and started like hacking buttons and she was like getting scores nearly as high as mine that was a little discouraging but um but yeah um honestly i beat that game the one of the bosses on here, if I played it in 2022, would be would be on my list today. Uh, I'll save it for next year. But um, I think all you guys should play this. I think it's that good. Um, I'm I'm giving it a nine, and uh, yeah, I I just was so impressed with this game. Um, and I know Dave actually downloaded it, but I don't think he's had a chance to check it out yet. Jack trying um, to shake that enemy of fun moniker by recommending more lighthearted <laughs> shit rather than some indie title with terrible graphics. Oh, 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 don't get, don't, oh, don't worry. I got Norco. I got Norco for you guys. Um, and once again, um, I spent 
a good chunk of the last podcast talking about how much I hate dream-like scenes in literature. And that's like a huge part of this game. Um, uh, it's a point-and-click adventure, like heavy narrative base. And it takes place in like this dystopian Louisiana, just out in the grit and grind. Just And um, normally this is not my thing, but the writing is so freaking just fantastic. It's, it's beautiful writing. Um, I've honestly, I've never experienced anything like it in a game. Um, and I mean, it, it goes in so many tones. The, the plot is bizarre. It's, it's creepy. It's ugly. It's crude, but it's just got like these eloquent, eloquent, like times where they'll talk about like socioeconomic status, religion. And then all of a sudden, I'll be laughing out loud because some dude will sneak into a limo because he's got, he's got diarrhea and he has no place better to go. And so that's the game. That's the kind of game it is. Um, uh, I don't know. I, I finished it. It left me with just such a weird feeling because it's, it's truly a haunting experience and um, definitely one of the more unique ones I've had in the last year. Uh, I'm not going to give this game a rating. I don't know how I would rate it, uh, but I will definitely be thinking about it uh, for a long time. And yeah, that's two great games uh, I got off of for free on Xbox Game Pass. So, Dave? Um, So I've also been playing a lot of Game Pass and uh, Jack and I checked out Sea of Thieves. We didn't really play too much into it, but we started it and... I mean, I find it pretty entertaining. The world's designed pretty well, but it's uh, it requires like a lot of teamwork. And Jack Jack had a definite dope moment where we were like based off somewhere. So we had we had a boat. <laughs> Is that what you call it? <laughs> and I forgot I was climbing something. When Jack, I just hear Jack in the mic say, "Our boat's on fire." I'm like, what? Why would it be on fire? And then I turned around and our boat's literally on fire. So we run out Not a there. small fire. Like the whole thing yeah. is a blaze. <laughs> we're able to put it out. And then Fire Marshal Jack remembers that he had left a piece of chicken cooking on the grill. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> fire Marshal Jack was very excited to blame it all on Dave. I was like looking around, like Dave was Dave was on the wheel. This is probably his fault. I look over at the grill, and there's this banana sitting there, like all black. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> 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 it's actually the most exciting thing that happened in Sea of Thieves. I mean. I, I could see a lot of potential if you had three other players that were super into it. You know, it, it could be a fun time, but I don't know uh, if I see myself playing a whole bunch of it. But I've been playing a bunch of Wasteland 3, which I'm starting to get more and more sucked into the more I play it because the world's starting to open up. I'm starting to feel comfortable with the combat. I haven't played a game like this in a long time and been making like a lot of simple mistakes. I used five of my largest health kits on myself when I was trying to heal like a teammate, which ended up dying and I didn't want to use a revive. So I had to like reload my last save and then restart this battle. So I could save this character's life, but that's pretty much why I also enjoy this game. It's pretty lenient in the sense that you can 
reset whatever you're doing, you know, to make sure you don't run into that group of minds that like takes out half your team. So uh, the other aspect that I've been enjoying is that now that the story is starting to develop a little bit more, you start getting those moral conflict type situations yeah, that you're yeah. kind of, you know, damned if you do and damned if you don't. So that's been pretty interesting. Um, I think my first one out the gate was save a family from some psychopath that your organization messed with. But then to the South, option two was go save a caravan of these merchants that work really closely with your community. And they have a lot of powerful armor that, you know, the good guys need. So yeah, I left the family and then I tried to, you know, rush up there and all it was was like burnt down building with a bunch of dead bodies in it. So pretty impressed by that game so far. Deep narrative, great characters. Um, and once you start getting comfortable with the combat, it becomes a lot more fun as opposed to stressful. Yeah, that was uh, very similar to my experience with Wasteland 2. I mean, I've mentioned it, it was a buggy mess, so it sucked in that regard. But um, very much like the original Fallout 1 and 2, where you kind of almost want to reload just so you can make certain decisions differently, just in, in a good way. It's almost like keep me your thumb in a page in one of those choose your own adventure novels, just where it's like, you know, I, I was having fun up until a point and I completely botched it. So I'm going to go back and write it. But um, yeah, no, I, I'm glad you're enjoying it. And I definitely in Wayside too had a few where I'm pretty sure I left or didn't provide water for a whole town and, they all died off because I was off chasing some other like gun fabled gun for my guys or whatever. So yeah, they definitely mess with you in that regard for sure. And I, I have to say, I did see uh, somebody posted a funny meme about Assassin's Creed black flag about the people who just float around just to listen to the sea shanties and immediately thought of you Dave. And so I'm glad that you got a chance to play sea of thieves based off of that alone. Because uh, even though it doesn't sound like you're having the best of experience with it, it still, you know, has to scratch that itch of the pirate game that's been lacking. Uh, one of the better moments in Sea of Thieves was me trolling Jack when he's trying to listen to NPC characters for valuable mission <laughs> advice. And I'm got an accordion next to him just like jamming and he's going through his <laughs> menus trying to turn the music off. And he's like, I have it down to zero. I don't understand why... The music's still on. I'm just like running around him with this accordion. <laughs> I love that Jack thinks that little of the music in the game too, that Dave just hammering buttons on the accordion is probably just the backing soundtrack. There's a lot of really cool features in that game. Like you can actually, um, the the two of us could like play music together in, in unison. The graphics are actually really cool too. Like the waves are beautiful it, it's pretty damn impressive in in some ways and then um in others it's just clearly not really like intended for like a one or two person game so right on well i've been playing i finally finished watchdogs 2 which it, it is what it is like it, it's a solid seven effort if you're looking for something that's in line with grand theft auto 5 um not as enjoyable as the first one in the sense that I think because they put more emphasis on the online play with this one, they took away a lot of the neat features that of the hacking universe and that offered in that game. The plot's just 
absolutely dreadful like i can't get over how stupid it is like at one point in the game like your character's like number one fbi most wanted list so the solution is to go to burning man and it's like somehow <laughs> that's supposed to like provide you with like the outlet to find other hacker connections and just a lot of really ridiculous stupid things like that but you know, there are some cool moments, like I said, like there's something neat about being able to set off chains of explosions while you're in a car chase with police officers and all. It's one of those games that, too, it's got those goofy moral moments where it's like you went through a mission, you killed like 40 security guards to like hack into a computer and steal some money. But then like they let the bad guy go at the end because he's going to get arrested. So, you know, you definitely have some really, really stupid moments like that as well. Um I hopped on to Dragon Ball Fighter Z, or I believe it is. Um, gave it a shot. It was neat. It was, but it's not for me. It's it's a little simplistic, but then incredibly difficult at the same time. Like I whooped up on a few enemies, and then I got to like my first real challenge and just got absolutely destroyed. Is it anything like Marvel versus Capcom? I was just gonna say it's. The similarity in it is that it's if you're good at it, you really know how to utilize all of your tagging in and out and your partners. And that's the part that I suck the most at in Marvel versus Capcom games. So uh, I didn't enjoy it in that regard. Like I said, the first time I got absolutely destroyed was enough for me to be like, cool, I'm good on this one. Um, But it was a neat little fighter, I have to say. Like, I actually did enjoy doing the basic like training for like the tutorial and kind of understanding the gameplay loop. But um, yeah, just it, it's a different realm of fighter that I just can't compete with. Um, and since that I have now hopped on to uh kill zone fallen order, I believe it's called um, kill zones, a weird series for me. Like I remember the first one came out to a huge amount of acclaim. I kind of thought it was boring other than really cool. First level. That um, you know, it's it's your basic space Nazis, you know, come to Earth and you you fight them off. And um the only reason I guess I'm intrigued by this one, other than needing kind of like a dopey first person shooter to kind of expunge the feeling of playing these massive 40 hour titles and Hollow Knight and Watch Dogs 2, is um I have a feeling this game's gonna come back big time with the uh Call of Duty uh going to to xbox because it is a sony ip and again it's it's literally just space nazis versus you know humans and i just i could really see it i believe the developer too are the folks who who do the horizon uh series as well so with that it, it just makes too much sense that if they're going to look to try to replace call of duty uh with a first person shooter that they would naturally peg one of their their own ip that is well enough known that it wouldn't just come out of nowhere and be a completely new thing but at the same time they can modify it enough because it's not as well known to kind of fit whatever gameplay loop they're trying to sell so uh that's that's one of my tin hat theories you know i like to make those from time to time and so i i wouldn't be surprised if you see that emerging as another uh major title out of nowhere for Sony uh, with a huge revival. Anyway, interesting theory. I Gorilla Games. I think that's they're the Gorilla Games. 
Yeah, they got yeah. a lot of uh, you know they got a lot of clout now with those Horizon games, so it'd be it would make sense for them to kind of go that route. Yeah, no, I I really think that like you're going to see a lot of deals like that with basically what we've seen with the console wars. That that's a topic for another time, but I think between that and the Last of Us two, um, their own battle royal game or whatever the hell it is, not I, I think yeah factions. I think. You're going to start seeing more of that stuff emerging with the very Sony IP related things to try to convince folks to sway one way or the other. So, um, oh man, you have no idea how much I would give for like Last of Us to take over the Call of Duty fan base. <laughs> That'd be a dream come true. <laughs> It'll never happen. No, it, it's definitely <laughs> not going to happen. But anyway, boys, uh, let's dive into it. Best boss fights of 2022. Trevor, you're our guest today, so why don't we start off with you? I know uh, in the case of Jack and Dave, they have them ranked in order of top five, and we'll probably have a few of our honorable mentions as well. Uh, If you have them in order, great. If not, you know, curious to see what you played being a PC guy yourself. All right, so just to be clear, this is boss fights that we we took on in 2022, not just 2022 releases. Correct. Correct. Okay. We're, we're too cheap here to uh, stick to stick to current year. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> here, here. Uh, so yeah, I'll try my best uh, to order things up as I go. I did jot down uh, some of the bosses that I, I fought in 2022, but um, I haven't bothered to order them. So this is all going to be done on the fly, but um, I feel like I, uh, the first one I'm going to go with here, I guess my number five um, is the uh, pathogen queen uh, from the game aliens fire team elite, um, which I doubt any of you guys have played that one. Um, as far as I know, the game has kind of a middling reputation. Uh, it's not beloved by any means, but uh, I actually don't know the name of the developer off the top of my head, but uh, apparently it's also a, a first time effort. Uh, from this developer Uh, so i guess i've been playing a lot of first-time games from a lot of developers lately um and i actually picked this game up when it first came out because i'm a huge aliens fanboy i mean it's basically you know top five movie for me like of all the movies i've seen that's the one that stuck the hardest probably because it was very likely one of the first r-rated movies i ever saw i'm pretty sure matt was um, babysitting me at the time <laughs> we had a ratty uh, VHS bootleg of it <laughs> that he was just like yeah mom and dad are at home you can watch this <laughs> but um, been a huge fan ever since I bite I bite super hard uh, for for the the aliens IP uh, if you put if if you put that on the on a plastic lunchbox I'll probably buy it um, so it didn't have to be good is what I'm saying um, but if you ask me um, this game, Aliens Fireteam Elite, especially with a buddy or two, um, and it is a, a three, three-way three co-op game, a uh, player uh, PvE game, so there's no PvP option as far as I'm aware. But if you have a group of buddies to play it with, it's great fun. Uh, I've only had the opportunity to play it with a full group of three uh, a handful of times, but I do have a good buddy of mine that we, we put some serious hours into this one. Um, and it just so happens that one of the strongest objections to the vanilla release of the game was the fact that the Alien Queen, spoiler alert, is featured in the game. However, you are not allowed to fight it. 
um, it shows up and the game has a text prompt that says run. <laughs> it's, a, it's, I forget what game that feels like a reference to, but it says run for your life. Basically. I think it was um, condemned to, uh, if any of you guys remember that uh, Xbox 360 and like PS3 era game, it's the, it's the bum fights, the video game, uh, but it's the sequel where there's a, <laughs> there's a mutant bear that chases you at one point. And if memory serves, there's a text prompt that appears like it's the only time it happens in that game where it just says, run for your life <laughs> because you're not going to be able to bum fight your way out of this. It's a bear. <laughs> but that's what happens when the queen shows up at the end of the vanilla version of the game. You just have to run. If you shoot at it, oh. it bounces off. It gets pissed and it kills you. Um, and this made your best of list, huh? <laughs> let me finish, Jack. <laughs> so the DLC... Uh, does attempt to directly address this um, by featuring the only like straight up boss fight really in the in the whole game. Uh, so if you get to the end of the DLC, you get to fight something called the Pathogen Queen, which um, also pissed off the fan base a little bit um, because it's not a straight up vanilla alien queen like you saw in the movie Aliens. It's it's a wonky kind of unique to this this game fabrication that it's. Basically, like alien resurrection alien. <laughs> I mean, if it was that, that would that would be some serious problems, especially considering the original design for that thing had a big old dong hanging out of its out of its <laughs> stomach. <laughs> they actually had to CGI airbrush that out of the movie because the very French director insisted, "Oh, it has to have a penis." <laughs> He's an alien. It's very scary. It needs a penis. Um, but. Uh, the, the pathogen queen is essentially what happens when uh, the black goo uh, from the Prometheus movie and uh, Alien Covenant finds its way into an alien hive. So you get this uh, goop-covered albino alien queen uh, that you actually do get to have a straight-up like toe-to-toe boss fight with, complete with the health bar, uh, something that's not featured in any other fight in the game, really. And there's a reason it's ranked number five on my list it's 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 not amazing it's just they they listened to the fans and they tried to deliver and for what it's worth the design of the thing looks kind of neat um its attack pattern is fun for a group of people to take on it's a little tedious uh, for one person to solo but with a group of people it gets pretty hectic uh and it's actually a worthy challenge um so it's worthy of a number five ranking for the whole year um, but it's it's by no means a stellar boss fight across you know the the vast number of bosses I've fought in my career as a gamer. <laughs> Are you taking this on as a rando or with other randos, or do you got a group of ponies that you're playing this with? Uh, so when I play the game, uh, a lot of my time spent with it has been solo, um, and the game is kind enough to. Uh, saddle you with a, a pair of uh, combat synths. Uh, so think Bishop from from Aliens, but they don't look like Lance Henriksen. They're just kind of gray dudes with ball caps with rifles that sometimes are helpful, but not often. Um, but if uh, I did get the chance to, to fight the thing with, with at least one friend, um, and it makes a huge difference because the, the AI companions are helpful um but they're pretty they're pretty darn stupid (laughs) like they especially considering they have the option to heal themselves pretty much at any time 
and they just kind of decide to do it when they feel like it. And you're just like watching their health tick down. You're like, the hell are you doing? (laughs) It's like, we have a lull in the action. It's been five minutes since we shot anything. And you just let yourself get beat down. What the hell is your problem? Sounds like you're an aliens expert. Um, I almost downloaded Alien Isolation, the 2014 stealth game. Have you? Did you check that out? I did, and I'm sorry to say that. Um, I guess I'll say up front that 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 game does have a divisive reputation. Um, some people think it's brilliant and it's the best Aliens video game ever made. I didn't even get to the alien. Like I, really? was, yeah, oh. <laughs> I didn't even get to the part of the game where it starts. Really, like I, I have it on my Steam account. Uh, I uninstalled it pretty quickly. Like I, I don't know if maybe I need to give it another chance. Um, but I have. I was on the fence. I think you just pushed me to one side. Like, like I said, I don't have the best sample size to to like offer an actual review of it. But for me, I found it like really tedious, and the the. Uh, like the breadcrumbs and like the pathfinding in the game, I found to be not especially intuitive. And it was, it was spiking some like red flags on my part where I was like, if I'm having trouble navigating before I have an alien on my ass, imagine what happens when I'm in like in panic mode and have to make snap decisions. Like I was seriously, I was having trouble figuring out where to go and what to do before I had anything to go to or anything to do. Right on. Excellent choice to start us off there, Trev. Jack, what you got for us? Uh, last year, I played a um, really unique title called Chicory. Uh, I talked about it last year on the pod, but basically it's kind of like uh, old school Zelda isometric, but instead of a sword, you're, you're wielding a paintbrush, coloring in this completely blank canvas world. There's no combat in it, with the exception of these very strange boss fights and it's it's not going to be like any other bosses we talk about today um instead you're fighting pretty much on this blank canvas it's a black screen your miniature little figure in the in the in the darkness and it's not really a boss you're fighting it's like streaks of paint or uh shapes like that could be cut out from like a like a children's children's book and they like expand across the screen and you have to dodge them or um, fight with your own brush. And like, if it's really, it's really garish and in some ways it's kind of ugly, but it's also like kind of vibrant and really kind of captures like how desperate and frantic you are when you're in these boss fights. Um, And this is the kind of what it is throughout. So when you get to the final boss, you kind of know what to expect. And then somehow they take this ugly visuals that I just described and they create this epic fight slash moment where there's like all sorts of different mechanics going on. You're fighting against yourself, like a, a clone image of yourself, but it's invisible and um, there's multiple mechanics, there's twists And then just as things are starting to look really dire, this character who you've had like this contentious relationship through with throughout the entire game shows up in like this kind of like touching emotional moment and has this heroic 
thing where, you know, it's this moment of triumph and it, and you just feel awesome. And you're staring at this ugly black screen with paint splashing all over the place. And um, I just, Chicory didn't make my like top 10 games last year. Um, I liked it a lot, but there was just so many damn good games they played, but I just, I keep finding myself like coming back to that game and thinking about it way more than I do most of the other games that did make my list. And, and a huge reason why is because of that last, as that last boss fight, um, just a really unique experience. And, um, yeah. You know, it is possible to shuffle your top 10 list after you put them out there in a podcast chat. You can go my route. You don't necessarily have to have it cemented in stone that this is the top. That's why I had to say that. So you didn't aggregate me, you know, get, get some revenge. Um, I don't know. It's a, it's a really different, it's a really different kind of game. Um, but, but really cool. Right on Dave. What have you got? Uh, so my number five, this guy, I was, I was very conflicted on it, but I went with Leshy from inscription. So inscription is this indie title game that Jack gushed about and we ended up playing and I enjoyed it quite a bit. Very impressed by the game. Um, It really kind of, changed my mind on what indie games could be and how imaginative they can be. But I went with this boss. Uh, I think one, he's a great boss. Like the setup is got a very ominous, very dreadful type tone to him. Uh, You approach this cabin. It's dark in the woods with only a full moon, like behind it, uh, casting a silhouette of this really creepy place. And then all of a sudden this, silhouette of a giant tree comes up with these two white eyes and black peoples and you know he talks about how you've been a great contender and you've gotten very far and he's impressed but it's time for you to die and you fought your way through like three of his bosses and you know come and you sit down and he turns on this light and you see what looks like an old man well to clarify those three bosses are actually him with different masks on utilizing different decks of cards so uh i mean dave you're just talking about one phase of i mean what is but yeah so uh you end up you know you end up seeing this guy and then you know he blows out your candle and then so he pretty much like nerfs you and then you jump into this fight but by now like by the time you got to this point you probably have a pretty good deck so this this fight isn't the most challenging in a sense. I think I cleared it in one go. Uh, But it's also you defeating this character and the implications of that aren't entirely, you think you're coming up with the final boss, but you end up, you know, kind of starting this whole new adventure off that really kind of ties him back into this like deeper part of the story. So I selected Leshy's like final fight. Not only is it cool, but he literally throws a moon at you in a sense. So <laughs> once he got that taken care of. Uh, Leshy was honestly, Dave, I, I was wheeling over in my head whether or not I should put it on my list today. Um, and um, so I'm, I'm, <laughs> you, you brought him up for me. <laughs> I still get another one. Yes. Um, but you do go through a bunch of phases with Leshy. Uh, I always am kind of like careful with inscription because you don't want to say too much about it lest you ruin the experience for others. But Um. (laughs) (laughs) Trevor, you should play it. Uh, 
hands down. Um, but you will face three different versions of him before this where he has really cool, interesting mechanics that just kind of like twist the whole idea of deck building and totally getting bent over and cheated in these fights until you learn them and, and come back with the knowledge that you've learned before. And um, yeah, I, I won't go any further because we, we, yeah, like I said, but, but there's, there's even more to it than that. Um, Leshy is just like a really important part of this, of the game. And, um, and just has so much kind of going on throughout it. So uh, Dave, great pick. Yeah. I'm glad you picked last year too. Cause actually that to me was the high point of uh, inscription. So um, I, he didn't make my list, but he was definitely on my honorable mention. So glad uh, you can give him due justice. Um, I'm going to start off with one that I literally just picked this one last minute and you know, it, it's, not the most impressive boss fight, but I think this one's important for a number of other reasons. Um, this is Resident Evil Village, the Lycan Giant, which actually most of the time destroys you the first playthrough. But I think this one's important for a couple of reasons. Like, first off, it just throws you right into the scale of that game and just the over the top nature, because you have not only do you have all the crazy werewolves chasing you around, you know, pretty much absorbing all of your bullets all the way. But then once he appears, you just basically have to concede. It's like, I'm screwed. There's no way I'm taking this thing down. So that right there is already a pretty cool introduction. But the thing I think I like about this as well is that fight alone is the one thing that is driving me to almost want to play, replay this game as well, because once you get the new game plus and you gain access to all the weapons and everything, I so desperately want to go back and just destroy him and all those stupid werewolves that chase you around that village. When you get that first initial encounter, like I think it's such a cool introduction to the, just that whole universe right away. And uh yeah, especially his appearance just, adds like an extra layer because overall I, I will say like most of the bosses actually in resident evil sick or resident evil village didn't really impress me all that much i thought they were not very memorable out like cool charismatic but wise but outside of that like there wasn't much to offer from the actual gameplay itself but this one it was just the spectacle of the appearance the madness of all these werewolves appearing and just pretty much absorbing all of your ammo right away and the fact that like you beat the game and it's like, here you go. Unlimited ammo and a machine gun. It's like, yeah, I want to go back and fuck that guy up. I really want to go back and fuck him up, but I don't know if I will because the intro is a bit long, but I think that's a cool little extra twist that kind of incentive to be like, yeah, he destroys you. He's supposed to destroy you, but now you have the power to go back and get him back. So, uh, yeah. Oh yeah, no the the opening of that game is is spectacular. Um, how they toss you into the deep end, even in terms of just straight up difficulty, like that that feels like a middle middle of the game like combat scenario where where it's your resources are very scarce. You feel backed into a corner, and then like you said, the big the big cheese shows up, and he's got his big old mallet, and it's like, well, what now? <laughs> Um, but then, uh, in addition to the new game plus, like I, I'm not positive it's if it's supposed to be exactly the same fellow, um, but you do get to fight him a couple more times in the game, and most satisfyingly as Chris Redfield, when you just get to like 
it's it, like drop like satellite bombs on him basically <laughs> it's just like it like it feels like this the the shoe is on the other foot kind of where it's just like okay well you got a big mallet well i got a bunch of friends and military hardware let's, let's see what happens now so it's very satisfying that that boss fight can be frustrating but it's it's kind of fun getting to face him with a full arsenal at the end of the game as opposed to like completely naked at the beginning but yeah i i agree with you for the most part in regards to the other bosses though like he did stand out even just from a mechanical standpoint as being kind of special even though he's like probably the most dirt simple of any other bosses in that game yeah totally i i really think to uh just the the timing of the encounter because it's still early enough in that you aren't sure how to manage your resources. You're not sure really if you're supposed to even fight them or if there's a chance for you to escape like that, that to me, I thought was the coolest like moment in terms of a boss encounter in the game. And I'm glad you mentioned the Chris Redfield part too, because that was just fun. <laughs> like that whole stretch with Chris is just pure fun and joy, especially after getting your ass kicked for so many missions prior. All right, we've gone around the room one time. Trevor, you're up next. What do you got for us? Okay, well, I, as I said, I'm kind of ranking these on the fly. Um, and I'm going to put this one low, even though I should probably put it high, uh, just because it made me mad. Uh, <laughs> so this is not one that I actually had the uh, the luxury of uh, defeating. Um, I actually encountered this one several times and was totally stumped. Um, and... Uh, Jack, you had mentioned um, being bent over and treated being treated unfairly in a <laughs> inscription, uh, which is what brings me to this one. Like I said, this is this probably should be ranked higher just because I do think it's probably actually a good boss fight. I just haven't taken the time to like read a wiki and actually figure it out. Um, but this is uh, the combination of uh, both the warden and the prince. Uh, from the game the the deck building game banners of ruin um, which i believe is available across all platforms Uh, i have it on steam i have it on pc Uh, but it's a deck building game that has an aesthetic that's uh, very similar to like Redwall. if if you guys remember those young adult novels i know matt uh, read those when we were kids Um, so it's like anthropomorphic animal people in a medieval kind of fantastical setting like not necessarily fantastical though it's it's strictly kind of like like tooth and nail medieval kind of stuff um medieval europe specifically but um it's a fun little game uh it it is a a little overly time consuming if you ask me uh from a mechanical standpoint it doesn't have that like just one more game kind of uh feel to it that like a slay the spire has where the amount of time that that game demands from you from a single session feels feels tuned pretty pretty correctly where it's like it doesn't ask too much of you whereas banners of ruin yes Um, (laughs) whereas banners of ruin it's like the combat the combats that play out uh take too long um sometimes it can really drag some serious ass and um very cool game maybe a little too complex it's kind of like the the neo of uh of a deck building games where it's like, there are way too many mechanics at work here. Like I know numbers are being crunched. I have no idea how to anticipate them, but a big number. Good. <laughs> Let's go with that. <laughs> but uh, from a presentation standpoint, it's a beautiful looking game has some pretty cool music. 
Um, but you get to the end of this sucker, and oh wow, talk about talk about unfair. Uh, the prince, the the final boss, um, very similar to Slay the Spire. Uh, you need to uh, play through the game, and you have to meet specific requirements along the way to the finale of the game in order to get the final boss, similar to the heart. Um, and if you do, uh, <laughs> good luck. Cause, um, I don't, I don't have any clue as to how to beat this guy because everything about him just seems unfair to me. Um, just all he and all of his cohorts of which he has so many, uh, all of them continually regenerate their, their defense to the point that's like, I don't even know how to hurt these guys. And because there's like six of them and there's, the distinct possibility you'll go in there with one or two guys every turn they get to do like six things uh so they they outmaneuver you and outpace you at every turn also they break the rules the 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 foundational rules of the game where there's there's a front row and a back row normally they they take their turns doing things where the front row goes and then the back row goes not the prince he says all y'all get to go at once everybody in the pool (laughs) is so bullshit but it is a worthy challenge it it is like it feels insurmountable Uh, it feels like the heart from slay the spire at least for me i know jack dave matt you guys are all experts of that game you probably beasted the heart untold numbers of times I've done it exactly once <laughs> and I got lucky. <laughs> but I still the, don't have my heart kill on defect on Ascension 20. Oh, uh, well, Ascension 20. That that's the main thing to throw in there. <laughs> and that means he's done it with at least two other characters. <laughs> oh, so yeah. Jack, did I just like ruin your life for the next year by like mentioning Slay the Spire too many times in sequence? <laughs> oh, you, you had a t- I started to overheat a little bit. You know, I had to I had to sip some ice water and calm down before I uh yeah, got too Jack, excited. Jack's over here getting the itches. He's got the itches. <laughs> uh I mean, you you really uh got my curiosity going, but but I'm glad you kind of were very upfront with how mechanically um intense this game is because that's something i like to avoid um and i already looked it up i'd have to get it on the only play i could play it would be on switch and uh not typically the console i i go for so yeah i probably wouldn't recommend it for switch gaming uh it probably requires too much of your attention and too much of your time um Mm. to to really actually enjoy in in that kind of setting um it is a good game but there's a reason i'm not playing it currently like I, I did kind of walk away from it. I had my fun with it. Like I, I, I got my money's worth for sure, but um, I did find that it was asking a little bit too much of me. And I do find that there, that's kind of the problem with Slay the Spire is that it's a very crowded, it's becoming a very crowded subgenre of game, um, but nothing compares. Like, like the, all of the other ones seem to have these liabilities where like, I can't speak for inscription because I haven't played that one, but Banners of Ruin uh, is just mechanically just a little bit too overwhelming. And then uh, Darkest Dungeon isn't a deck builder, um, but I kind of approached that game in a similar way. And I found that also that was one that wasn't, uh, it wasn't being kind to me in terms of the amount of time and energy it was requiring of me. Like it was asking too much of me is what I found. I think you should give Inscription a shot Um, because at least gameplay wise, its weaknesses are actually 
its strengths and it's hard to describe that until you've played it but if you do you'll you'll understand why i say that okay well i i mean i've listened to you i've listened to you guys talk about in the past um but now that i have a direct recommendation uh, i will very seriously consider it that's a good way to put it actually jack i hadn't really thought about uh jack you're up what you got for your number four um, I'll pull, uh, my first, uh, first honorable mention out because Dave took a uh, leshy from me. Uh, I'll just briefly talk about, um, I think it's Glumstone giant from the, uh, cuphead DLC. And, um, what really stood out about this boss is that you, we, we played first the original game, Matt, and then we jumped into the DLC and the original game that the graphics are just so I mean, they're incredible. Anybody who's seen it knows there's a freaking show on Netflix about it now. But it was really cool kind of taking that leap to the DLC because they really flooded it with a whole lot more, like, just just more. There's more going on on the screen. There's more. Um, the, the, the imagery is just really vibrant and crisp. And um, I don't know, uh, just kind of jumping into glumstone giant which was the first boss i fought in in that uh last course dlc i mean at one point you have to jump into the giant's mouth to finish the boss and and the last stage of the boss is you literally in this mouth duking it out uh as like teeth gnash down on you and like saliva drips down on you and um i don't know uh like i said i'm keeping it brief but it was it was just like a, a kind of a wow moment, which I always love. Dave, I'm going to go out of turn here because Jack mentioned Cuphead. Um, you know, it, it's a boss rush game, so I'd be remiss not to include one. I actually don't have any in my top five because I feel like there are too many of them kind of compete with each other and almost knock them out of contention here. But I, I agree with you. I was going to say for honorable mention, uh, one of the ones that popped in my mind was the Chef Salt Baker, uh, the last boss you fight. Just because I, I really like the menacing nature. Like when you fight him, like he's chopping up these limes, which have like eyes and everything. And it's very much that like dark side of like the d- old Disney where it's just like he goes from everything seems happy, go lucky or whatever to just like super gnarly out of nowhere. But um, I thought he was super memorable. And, and I agree, just all the DLC ones added this extra layer of just so many crazy twists and turns throughout the fight. There's another character, I, I can't even remember the name. It's the cow you fight uh, when you're flying in the plane. And the plane levels yeah. take away slightly just because, you know, the main heart of Cuphead to me is the more platform-heavy ones. But that one, too, is just just nuts, the amount of transformations this character goes through, the amount of crazy, wacky shit being thrown at you at every turn. Like, it's almost a shame that you're so on the edge of your seat to have to, like, compete with these characters that you, like, can't take it all in uh just visually because it's just so awesome so uh glad that we could talk a little cuphead here because lord knows dave isn't going to mention it at all (laughs) there i mean there are a couple bosses from the original base game that would have made it on this list if i if last year had been the first year i played it but um that was in my past but yeah uh chef saltbaker was the other boss i was considering yeah no there's definitely a few from the original that could stand out for sure, but definitely after playing the DLC, it's they just are slightly dated in comparison just because of, you know, the major overhaul that they've had and the time, quite frankly, to release it. Dave, what have you got for your number four? Are you going to go the honorable mention route? Uh, 
No, I wasn't going to, I was going to go with number four. Uh, so my number four, I feel like is something that the general public is eventually going to see, especially with season two being already set to go on HBO max for the last of us. So uh, my number four is a rat King, uh, you know, last of us two came out a few years ago, but I played it for the first time in 2022 and yeah, that was just such an intense fight. Um, Matt, Jack had played it. Trevor, have you? Uh, no, actually. Um, as a as the PC guy uh, in the room, um, my uh, my console endeavors ended uh, with the PS3. Uh, so, being as Last of Us Two is what a four and five exclusive currently, um, I haven't had a chance to play that one. But uh, Last of Us One uh, is coming uh, to Steam next month, I believe. So there is hope uh, that eventually. Many years after it was relevant, I'll, I'll get to I'll get to fight the Rat King. Uh, well, I mean, should I be spoiling anything for you? Is this this is dude? Kill your I appetite? listen. I listen to your show, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I listen to that three hour show. Right. Oh man, so I, I pity you. <laughs> so you know, this this is just what I feel like. So much of Last of Us Two is psychological, you know understanding that humans are more monstrous than these really fucked up things that you know are cordyceps and you get handed this complete opposite end of the spectrum fight where it's not a human it's it's a bloater that's like piggybacking a couple of clickers and some scramblers and they're all working in unison it's almost like an nfl like line you know <laughs> line guards all piled up on one another and it's just, I, I felt like it was really good because the initial reaction is complete horror and needing to run away. And that's exactly what happens. They don't really give you an option to fight this thing. Like the first setup of this fight is just scrambling for your life. And I think that's what made it so much more terrifying to fight it was you didn't really have a chance to try to counter it from the get go. It was mostly like, what the fuck is this? I need to get away. And then you're scrambling over, you know, smashing X or holding down Y or whatever controller you're using at the time, or I guess PlayStation. Yeah, so it's X. But um, the fight itself isn't, I found, wasn't as intimidating so much as just this initial reveal and understanding what's chasing you at this point. So, yeah, I definitely had to put it, uh, the racking up on here, which you know, it was pretty interesting. It was number one for a while before I sat down and really thought about it. The Last of Us series is, I mean, it is horror, I guess, but more it's more it's like a, a, a action adventure between, you know, a, a father-daughter dynamic thing going on. And um, I played Resident Evil, Biohazard, and Village this year, uh, which are like, you know, considered really good examples of the survival horror genre. And I just think it's so cool that the last of us two pulled this off in this middle of this adventure game where they, they just have this like two hour scene that completely changes the tone of the game to like this survival horror moment. And, and you go through and you get ambushed by, by, you know, the, the creature that Dave just described. I love games that can kind of just effortlessly, transition between genre and um very very impressive that they they pulled that off right on so 
Jack, you want to do your number four or do we want to move on to Trevor's number three here? Kind of at a weird crossroads. Go ahead, Trev. Okay, so uh, this is number three, right? Um, so uh, this is where thing. This is where my list is going to get kind of stupid, and uh, it's time for something completely different. Uh, so, um, I uh, I listen to other gaming podcasts in addition to Couch Co op, uh, and one of them uh, talks about the Super Nintendo. Uh, exclusively the Super Nintendo catalog of games. Um, if I remember right, Jack, you you didn't really grow up on the 16-bit era. Is that right? I missed, this, I missed that specific generation that you're talking about. Okay. Well, uh, sadly, I guess you won't be able to, to share in any sort of nostalgia like, associated with this particular pick, but um, bear with me. Anyway, uh, so this other podcast, uh, they, they also rank uh, their picks. Like they rank the games as they play them and stuff. And, and uh, Batman Returns for the Super Nintendo is a side scrolling beat em up. Uh, like, Jack, you said you, you appreciate games that dip into other genres effortlessly. This Only doesn't do that. <laughs> this doesn't do that. This one walks to the right and you punch clowns. You walk nice. to the right and you punch clowns. Justice. <laughs> Gotham City style. Michael um, style. Precisely. <laughs> so the, I I when I listen to that show, um sometimes I find myself like vehemently disagreeing with the rankings. And so I, I take it upon myself to dig through my cartridge <laughs> pile and I was like, I'll show them. <laughs> and so I play the games along with them. And I'm like, this is great. They don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> so I decide um, when they put uh, Batman Returns as like a, a mid-tier, like a C, like at like an A through F ranking, they put it like firmly as a C. And I was like, well, that's some bullshit. Batman Returns is great. <laughs> so I decided <laughs> to play it in 2022. <laughs> And uh, while the girlfriend was like looking through her uh, her cookbooks and stuff, I beat it <laughs> like very casually, just beat Batman Returns. And I was like, "That'll show them people who I don't know on the internet." <laughs> um, anyway, um, Catwoman and and the Penguin uh, are you know they're they're straightforward beat 'em up bosses. Um, I wouldn't say they're particularly remarkable, um, but I have the softest of soft spots for the beat 'em up genre. Uh, it's one of my it's basically my favorite thing in the world um and just just the pleasure of going back and beating danny devito's ass uh, in 2022 <laughs> was just a lot of fun um because i hadn't done that in years and it was very satisfying to know i still had it in me that i could i could still beat batman returns on one credit and <laughs> i sh- i showed them didn't i <laughs> Curious to see if we'll see any Shredder's Revenge today, bosses. Speaking of beat 'em ups, uh, not on my list because I, I think that was a 2021 uh, experience for me. And even though I know they patched that game not that long ago, nothing, nothing that they patched was particularly of interest for me personally. So that was that was a fantastic little game, but unfortunately, it's also a little game. And in terms of replay value there's other beat-em-ups that I find easier to come back to. So I, I enjoyed the hell out of that game for the time that I enjoyed it. Um, but it, it, it just doesn't have that juice. You know, it, it, It's not going to get me to come back to it probably 10 years from now, the way like turtles in time would. 
Jack, you got your number four, or are you going to do another? Uh, well, I guess I'll just call it number three. Um, I think Leshy was my number was my original number three, but um, I'm, I'm moving to a game called Death Store, uh, a game that I originally put down and discussed, uh, picked back up over a year later, just sitting in my sitting in the back of my library, gave it another shot, and um, started getting to the boss battles, which really damn good. Um, Combat is real crisp in this game. Like, uh, and the bosses just have this real magical quality about them. It's very like, uh, uh, like fables esque. Um, and one of the, one of the mechanics I like about the bosses is there's, there's no health bar in them. When you get to, when they get to about half health, they start like red lines start appearing through their physical form. And as you beat them down, they become more and more cracked and cracked and cracked until finally they, they blow up. And one, it's really cool visually, but two, it adds a lot of like tension to the battle because like you don't know if like the last hit is actually going to be the last hit. So like when you get into the very nitty gritty and you're about to die, like if you get that last hit in, they explode. It's like this, oh yeah, moment. Um, so my, my favorite of the bosses in, in Death's Door was the Frog King. And it's just basically this giant ass bullfrog. And you're, by the way, you're a crow with a sword. Um, and it's like this isometric stage where you're in the, this pond and there's a five by five, basically like float device that you're on. And why I think I like it so much is the, the float device that you're on, the, this grid is basically like really well utilized in that like the frog will actually like pick it up and like try and like pull use it to like shake you towards it towards it so it can like damage you um it shoots like objects that destroy tiles of the of the grid and as you play you learn because it's hitting you with this giant lance that the lance when it when it hits something it restores all the tiles back to this the surface that you desperately need to survive to stay above this pond. So you start like having to, why all this combat is going on with all these mechanics, you, you have to start shooting at this, at this tile uh, or at this, at this, um, at this Lance, you shoot at it to repair. And I don't know, it's just a really cool fight. Um, you know, it's, it's this freaking thing, this giant ass bullfrogs basically jumping, like trying to flatten you like a pancake and you're this crow just trying to duck and dive out of the way. And, um, yeah, it's just really cool. Totally um, a game that, like I said, I originally put down. I ended up really enjoying the heck out of, and, and probably the biggest reason why is because these really cool boss fights. Right on. That's a unique one that I hadn't heard of, which isn't a surprise coming from you, Jack. <laughs> uh, let's get back to our original order here. Dave, what do you got for us for number three? Well, I'm, I want to apologize for taking Jack's boss. Sorry, I took that. But um, so hopefully, I, I'm not taking any more with this pick. My number three is Godfrey, the first Elden Lord, aka Horalu, aka Soulsborn Zangief. Man, 53 minutes it took Jack <laughs> and I to defeat this guy. Now, considering that Jack. You know, and I have spent probably longer times on bosses, so have the other two of you. Usually when we're, like, in a party together, like, it's a bit easier of a fight. And for us to go 53 minutes, just the range of emotions we went through 
panic, confusion, reassurance of each other, hope, disappointment, you know, finally joy. But man, there's so many times where we just jump in and he would like just two hit either me or Jack, you know, at which point we'd have to reset this. So it's not even like, I don't know how many times we started that fight, probably a good 40 times before we finished him. But <laughs> it's just, you get so proud going through that first stage. And then, you know, he does his transformation and his first move is just to bum rush you, you know, like Zingief would. Zingief. You know? <laughs> <laughs> there's a few I recorded all this too so I was sitting there watching it earlier today and one of my runs where we get through the first stage I know what's coming so I immediately like turn around and <laughs> start scrambling because I got about yay much health left <laughs> and I was like there's no way I'm surviving this if it gets me so I don't know it just led to a lot of fun moments and you know, it's not like I even really like Godfrey's fight or his mechanics. It's it's more, I think it was just so entertaining to go through this challenge with Zach, you know, and he's a boss. You know, I believe he's a demigod. So um, it ended in a cool way. I watched it again. I used like Ronnie's Dark Moon spell and then, you know, hit him with the Comet Azure. And I recalled Jack. You know, just being like, oh, that's dope, you know, as a comedy. You know, the pretty much Zangief was going to kill Jack. He was going to decide what shape of pretzel he was going to put him in this time, you know, <laughs> as opposed to the other times he got him. So that, uh, that was one of the most exciting moments of video gaming for me of, of 2022, just because, yeah, like you said, what was it 53 minutes, something like that? And um, again, I thought we were going to die again. And like, I was losing hope, like, you know, the, the, the beers were starting to go the other direction, you know, and um, I'm like, oh, shit, I was down to like 5% health and I was hacking my heal button, but I didn't have any healing. So it was just like this panic, like, ah, what's happening? I'm not healing. And then all of a sudden, like, just as I'm about to die, this freaking J- Dave drops the super bomb, you know, uh, spell on the dude. And I just see his health melting away. It was just this amazing moment of elation. Um and, and yeah, that was, that was fantastic. All right. Well, we've entered the realm where Elden Rings made its first appearance. I have a feeling we're going to be hearing a bit more of that here shortly. So uh, since all of you gentlemen have uh, gotten to your top three, I'm going to skip ahead a few for myself here just so we can get all caught up. So I'm, I'm going to number one. no 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 these these aren't elden ring or god of war related but um i'm gonna mention one real quick for my number four that i know none of you want to hear me talk about which is ixion from returnal which is the second boss you fight there uh returnal um class you know it's a 3d bullet hell um it's frustrating as all get out at times but the one thing i'll say is uh ixion the second boss you fight um it's something about the pacing is just like perfect where there's shit all over the screen. Like you're panicked because it takes so much to get to the bosses in Returnal. And, you know, once you die, you start over. So there's a lot at stake and just, it's just easy enough where you can confidently take it on no matter what state you are when you enter to the boss fight. But by that same token, like it's still absolutely chaotic through and through you have to be completely on point to do it so um probably the only boss i enjoyed having to fight multiple times in that game so i uh 
I have to mention that one because I honestly wanted to pick some uh, one of the bosses from Enter the Gungeon, but even though I really enjoyed that game, the problem is is the way that game works. You have to fight these damn bosses so many times that I just got sick of all of them. So I like the aesthetic. I like you know some of the features that they offer, but I fought them a lot, Jack. Like I really was trying to beat this game, and it, it just pissed me off after a while. How I Gungeon bosses are excellent but um i I actually got to the boss you're talking about matt and i think i got to the third phase um the first time i fought him and i was like yeah i got this i was feeling so good it's my first try and then i got my ass kicked so much i never reached him again and i said fuck this game and it ended up on my most hated games of 2022 and uh yeah yeah you guys uh you guys scared me off of returnal um, just listening to you guys talk about that game, I was actually somewhat interested, and it did find its way to PC at some point. Uh, but just hearing you guys shit all over that and express so much frustration, um, yeah, I, I don't think I need that in my life, honestly. Yeah, I, I wouldn't really recommend it, to be honest. It, it, it's kind of neat. It's got a great aesthetic and all that, but it's also a huge pain in the ass and, quite frankly, not very rewarding at the end. I think when you listen to a podcast of a bunch of guys praising how much they love from software and uh, Cuphead, and then, <laughs> and then they just rant about how much how difficult the game is, you should probably at least yeah take a little bit of notice off that. I mean, when you put it that way, that is quite the red flag. That's like these guys don't have a problem with quote difficult games. They have a problem with like just I don't know games that just maybe mechanically aren't as great. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah. I suck yeah. at first-person shooters. I don't know what they, what's their third-person shooters. Any shooters. <laughs> all right, I'm going to jump into my third here, too, so we can get all caught up and be on our seconds here. So uh, number three, another Resident Evil uh, boss from Resident Evil Biohazard, um, Jack Baker. Um, even though he's just really kind of no different in many ways than the tyrant who chases you around in Resident Evil 3, um, he just represented like such a nice departure. Like I, I, we, when we talked about biohazard, like I mentioned that even though village is an immensely more enjoyable game itself, biohazard is just so much more important for the franchise as a whole that it needs its respect. And even though I played it way after the fact that it came out, um, just Jack Baker's a terrifying enemy. Um, you know, he's a bullet sponge. He pops up out of nowhere you know, he's very um, menacing up until the parts when he starts to really change. And then it just becomes, you know, another boring, you know, Tetsu-esque uh, <laughs> Resident Evil boss fight. But, you know, in the meantime, in the interrupt leading up to it, like it is being pretty terrified being chased around by this hillbilly guy that you have no idea why he can regenerate. You have no idea why he's trying to murder you. And you also don't understand why he also seemingly has like a soft spot for you and like sits you down at the dinner table in that one really eerie sequence and, you know, always seems to kind of let you go, even though he could continue to perceive. So excellent villain, like I said, really like helps add a layer of creep to that game experience that I think is what helped it revitalize the entire series. Um Ironically enough, too, I actually just recently saw there was an article published uh, only a few days ago, actually, that had a lot of uh, character uh, pictures 
of what they originally were going to program Jack Baker to be. And it was much, much more in line with the Resident Evil 6 aesthetic. So I'm really glad that they they pulled the 180 and pivoted to something completely different that is much more menacing and much cooler. And, you know, as I mentioned, it's completely revitalized my interest in this series that I hadn't cared about since the early 2000s. Yeah, he uh, he presents a really strong balance between, you know, that that intimidation factor when he's, you know, strictly a nemesis that he's an obstacle when you first encounter him and a very frightening one, especially when he does the Mr. X thing and <laughs> the Kool-Aid man's his way through the wall. <laughs> that was fantastic. Was awesome. Yeah. yeah. And then he continues to pursue you. He's an obstacle. So he, he's a mechanical obstacle and he's very he's very intimidating. But then the game knows the correct time to like turn him into a, an opportunity for spectacle where you jump into that that pit area and then it turns into Evil Dead 2. Complete with, I think, I think the main character says groovy or something. No, he, uh, Jack says groovy when he picks up the power tool or whatever. And it turns into a <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre chainsaw fight. And it's really cool that they're able to accomplish so much with just one character where he starts out just this undefeatable obstacle and then he turns into a carnival ride at one point and then it just goes thoroughly off the rails when he turns into the the gelatinous tetsuo beast (laughs) carnival ride kool-aid man i think that's the you just nailed it right there just i don't know i i the mechanics of those fights were so like sloppy but i still just i love them because they're so much like just grindhouse fun yeah, from a mechanical standpoint, I personally could have used not necessarily a health bar, but like 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 Jack, you had said about um, I forget the name of the game, but the the, the red lines and the cracking. It made me think of uh, Ninja Turtles, the arcade game where you're beating on Rocksteady and he starts flashing orange and it starts flickering faster and faster. So it's like, oh, I better put another quarter in. He's flickering really fast. That probably means that <laughs> I, I would have appreciated some sort of visual feedback to let me know that like I'm actually hurting Jack uh, because some of those boss fights in both Seven and in Village and Biohazard and Village Sometimes it feels like you're throwing bullets at something and it may or may not be working. It's like, am I missing something? Is there like a red barrel or something I should be shooting instead? Because they don't like, I don't know, they don't quite give you enough visual feedback. But that, other than that, I, I do 100% think they're... 100% agree. Yeah. Yeah, all very, very good points. Jack, uh, you're up here, number two. Oh, I got here before you, Matt. I'm so sorry. I, I think I'm about to shit on your list. Uh, I'm going Mog, Lord of Blood from Elden Ring. Um, basically, uh, a fight that I walked into was still like a base build in, in the game before I transitioned into one of the late game builds. I, I was upgraded, but it was all like just really low level type stuff. And therefore, I spent two hours just learning every in and out of this fight and it is so good it's just uh Sekiro best bosses like when I when I think of like the gold standard that's the game I think of and it reminded me so much of the fluid movement in that game so many bosses in Elden Ring why they're like this amazing spectacle we're just a little too loose we've talked about this at length on this pod um but Mod Lord of Blood is the exception everything is so crisp he is so imposing. He's got such a variety of moves. Like it, it's not like he's just flipping between the same two moves over and over again. 
all sorts of different stuff, like whether it's like an AOE spray of, of blood or he's attacking at you like some fucking crazy ass angel out of the sky. Um, but I, I just love this fight. Um, and I, I mean, it's, it's the only fight I actually have on my hard drive recorded um, throughout the entire year because that's how happy I was when I finally got that, that kill. Um, and it's just, it, it, it's everything I love about an awesome boss fight. Just persevering as you learn those move sets. Yeah, no, I, I thought about that when I was compiling my list, Jack, because I know how much you cared about him. And I think you fought him at the right stage where you got the full enjoyment. Cause while I'll go on the record and say that's the boss fight I enjoyed the most, like gameplay wise in Elden Ring. By the time I actually encountered him, my character was kind of OP, so it wasn't like a very difficult fight on my end. But the mechanics, I could tell the entire time, actually, that was the only fight that felt like a Sekiro boss fight where it was actually like, okay, there's a, a method to each progression here versus a lot of the Elden Ring bosses. Like, felt like it was more like, it's like, okay, I have this much time to roll while this character holds their arm up waiting to swing and that the last second's going to pivot and like hit half the screen because, you know, from soft, but um, excellent choice there. I, I thought that was a fantastic boss fight and definitely my favorite one to play in Elden Ring. Dave. That, oh, I was going to say that's definitely one I regret not going after because I've seen so many clips where someone summons a wizard in and he pulls out, you know, like he gets all set up with his buffs and then he melts Moog with one comment is your. And <laughs> usually the other player is like still either running or trying to figure out how they're going to dodge from him before he dies. And the, you know, the characters can't express disappointment, but you know, this guy, you could see it in this character's face how disappointed he was. <laughs> he didn't really fight Moog. He just, you know, melted. So. And meanwhile, I was using these shitty-ass wolves at the time, so they did literally nothing except for, like, mix up his moveset and make him more difficult to fight, so I just stopped using my ashes altogether. It was awesome. Dave, you're number two. Man, decision uh, here. I'm so scared to say it because I, I feel like I could be taking someone's number one. I'm not sure how to handle this. Put it um, out there. We'll find out. Go for it. All right. Thor, God of yep. Ragnarok. Dude, my first, number one, you asshole. <laughs> the first fight, I told you. I told you I was, <laughs> I was concerned. So um, I won't talk too much about it. I, I'll like jack in on it. But uh, this was just a part, the last part of such like a grand spectacle for an opening of a game. Uh it's filthy amazing, Trevor. I, you know, you're a peasant. You don't have a console like us. So, uh, you know, unfortunately, it's, you're going to have to play this later on down the road. But, uh, yeah, it, 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 it was amazing. Uh, I felt like there's so much tension there. Uh, I, I will one, say one part. I love the fact where, you know, I was pretty sure I died in it. And then you just hear Thor's voice to the, the veil of death where he goes, Oh no, you don't not until I say when. And all of a sudden it's just like, like he uses Thor's pretty much, you know, to resuscitate you. And you just like, all fucked up because he just like got revived from the dead. So, you know, that's my second fight. Um, and, uh, sorry, Jack, 
I took that, but I'm going to let you vomit all over that when it's your turn. So, uh, I actually, I, I've got backups for that game because my favorite bosses are all from that game because they're that fucking good. Um, I will just say that in the anticipation of this pod, I watched that fight today on YouTube and it is like, it's just as good as I remember. Like I was like, maybe I just have like this, you know, memory of this being awesome when really it wasn't. And then I, I watched like this scene leading up to it, the basically the standoff between the four of them all in the cabin where they just kind of talk it out and like kind of try and parlay. And then it goes to shit and, and holy the, well, I'll touch more upon, uh, God of War Ragnarok as we go, but um, that fight is so damn good, and it's such a great introduction to what the game's going to be. Um, it just sets the tone for the rest of the game. Well, you know, there's a part of me now knowing, Jack, that you have all your alternates rolled up in that one that wants to steal another one for you here, but uh, that wouldn't be doing my actual list justice. So... Um, <laughs> My number two, uh, I'm going to have to say Star Scourge Radon from Elden Ring. Um, purely, I mean, the fact that Dave and I recorded an entire episode just talking about our experience playing it says kind of everything. It needs to be in my top two. And even though the fight itself isn't horribly difficult, it was more the spectacle of everything is just so nuts and so fun just over the top, like something about just racing, having to race towards this huge imposing figure in the distance who's shooting these insta-kill arrows at you. And if you're playing it, you know, either together with a partner or alone, you're summoning all these different like characters that you've encountered along the way. So, you know, at one point when you're looking over and you're seeing like the giant pot guy, Alexander, like running alongside you in this desert towards this massive being that can kill you in one shot. It's just so cool. Like, there's really not much more to it. Like, it's just the lead up to it is amazing. The fight itself is meh, but up until that point, it's just so cool. And then when Dave filled me in on some of the lore on top of it, it was like, this is just everything about this is just amazing. And it's it, again, like we mentioned, so many of these things, what makes them special is they do kind of come out of nowhere and catch you off guard. Like, this fight kind of comes up at the point in Elden Ring where you're like, okay kind of got this down been through a few dungeons and fought basically the same enemy just reskinned and you know maybe this is just going to be a slog and then all of a sudden it's this massive arena battle that's just on a completely different level of madness so yeah big fan of that one definitely happy to call that my top two almost number one um you're talking about the fight itself and you know one of the things i learned while just like all right, so Star Scourge is my number one, but you know I'm more than happy to talk more about it. Um, but this little fun fact to note on your end is that mo- a lot of these Soulsborne bosses, you pick like a spot, and that's where you kind of want to stay, you know. And sometimes it's the infinite boat, uh, butt pucks or pokes, but you know a lot of the time, like you want to stay on their left hip, right hip, that kind of stuff. Uh, the thing about Radon is he goes 360 so much that, you know, it's you can't just be like, okay, I'm going to roll with his hip because he's going to hit you because he's not just spinning, you know, in a quarter motion or a half swipe. He's going all the way around. So anyways, it yeah, there's a reason he got nerfed so tough, you know, and was it patch 1.03, I believe so. 
Good deal. Sorry to take you number one there, Dave. But no, nah, uh, no, it's all good. But I am curious to hear more thoughts on that when we get back around. But uh, so that was my number two, Trevor. Are we ready for number ones, boys, or do we want to take a moment and do a couple of honorable mentions before we get there? I'd be down with some honorable mentions. All right. Well, Trev, you have an honorable mention for us that didn't quite make your top five. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd almost consider this a number two. Um, so there's a there's a small indie game, uh, pixel art game, sprite based graphics called a uh, Driven Out. Um, that I just kind of picked up just on a whim, just because I'm a sucker for sprite graphics. Um, I, I'm a sucker for quality hand drawn animation uh, in games, um, and it's an interesting little game. Like the the mechanics are, it's kind of kind of like a like bop it the video game <laughs> or simon kind of so basically you you have a, a sword and it's the only weapon you get in the entire game and you just have these duels these one-on-one duels for the most part sometimes there's more than one enemy but basically every everything is based around uh high middle and low uh for guard and for attack and a lot of times the game will force you to guard many many attacks before you even get an opening and sometimes that opening is very small uh so the final boss of the game is i think i don't even think it has a name it's just an alien uh that uh the speed and the aggressiveness and the sheer number of attacks you need to defend without fail uh, just to get a single opening to get one hit on this thing uh is Oh my god, it's frustrating. Um, but I stuck with it. I beasted it. I I, I bested it, um, and it felt really good because on the whole, it was a pretty cool game. Um, and it, being as the mechanics are so dirt simple in a lot of ways, that felt like the proper way to to cap off that experience. So like that that was a fun fun way to f- complete that game for me. Right on. That's uh. Definitely got a little bit of flashbacks from Neo there with the different blocking style you're referring to there. Uh, Jack, what you got for an honorable mention here? Um, just to ensure I don't shit on anybody else's number one, because I've got, I've definitely got some more Ragnarok and Elden Ring bosses that would definitely make this list, but I'll go a completely different route. Uh, Electronic Super Joy 2, the most underrated 2D platformer it's so freaking good and nobody knows about it um but it's super cheap to pick up and one of the bosses santa satan is just like man he chases you for like five levels and you die so much in this game but it's like that super meat boy where you're just instantly back instantly back it doesn't it doesn't even if you die like 30 times it doesn't like really irk you too badly because you'll know you have another chance to just hit that perfect run and, you know, I, I said this is a, a 2D platformer, but it's also kind of like a, a bullet hell because unlike a lot of platformers I've played where it's it's you hitting these solid, solid, you know, foundations, there's all sorts of shit getting thrown at you in this. And Santa, he chases you on this sleigh and he's just shooting these missiles at you throughout these missions. And then you get through that part and you, you get through the level and and then you jump and there's a few different levels, but it ends up he turns into like this monstrous Satan Santa. And um you've gotta kill well, it's not killing his elves. You gotta blast into his elves 
basically to free them because they're his shields. Like they provide his energy source. You can't hurt Santa, Satan, until you get his elves free. So you're blasting into his elves. They're like, oh, I'm free. And meanwhile, it's just this driving techno music. I mean, Electronic Superjoy, some of the best music in a video game I've played all year. It's so good. It feels so good to have like this thumping. Um, it kind of brings like Hotline Miami, Matt, um, that like driving synth. Um, it's such a good soundtrack to just get in that groove. And um, yeah, a hard, hard game. I mean, you got to really enjoy dying uh, to, to, to enjoy this game. But I do. And um, and Electronic Superjoy 2. If you like your platformers, pick it up. It's awesome. Right on. That's another indie title that I will probably never play, but <laughs> consider as a challenge from Jack. So who knows? Stranger things are happening. <laughs> Dave, uh, what you got for us for an honorable mention here? Uh, this is number nine on my list, and it's from Kolta Lamb. It's He Who Waits, um, also known as Narinder. And um, this boss fight's awesome. One, I have it on my list because it was an awesome fight for me. I had just overpowered my my cult so tough on just the infrastructure. This is a base building slash roguelike game where, you know, one aspect of it helps feed off the other one so you can build it all up so i approached this boss fight fully loaded like with nukes in hand basically um i get to pick a critical chance hit like weapon and it was like a heavy weapon so i just ended up like cutting through the boss like hot knife through butter like his two assistants come out to me dead in three hits each and then i fight the final boss and he's probably done it 10 hits or so. So <laughs> why this is so much fun for me is because Matt and Jack had such a much harder time with this boss than I did because I just spent so much more time picking vegetables and picking up shit after my followers and having them worship shit that like I was able to level these guys up so strong that when I converted them into like an NPC companions they were doing like hella damage on top of like all the damage I was doing. So it, this just became, this was one of my favorites uh, at the bottom end, just because I had such a good memory of it. And I felt like not too many fights, you know, there's, well, there's a lot of fights where, you know, it becomes easier or harder depending on how much time you pump into it. And this was definitely one this year that I just didn't get too much of. So I threw it on the list. It was stunning watching your YouTube video of that fight after like really not like struggling through it, but it took me multiple attempts and just to see you just clobber this dude. Like it was nothing like he was doing no damage to you. Your hits were doing like five times as much damage as mine. But I will say that while it maybe took me 10 times as long to beat that boss as it took you, I finished the game in half the time. So I don't know how you like... Yeah, I, I went the route of Dave on that one too. I I pretty much whooped that one with just very little effort, just largely based on the amount of time I spent just cleaning up shit from villagers and uh feeding them whatever they needed at feasts. So but that was a fun little game though. I, I'm glad we all played that one this year. A lot of great bosses in that game. 
So my uh, honorable mention one, um, the boss fight itself is okay. The lead up to the boss fight is stellar. Um, that's uh, Asav, who's the last boss of the Uncharted Lost Legacy game. Um, just a very well done antagonist throughout where very on brand with Naughty Dog where, you know, just smart dialogue, like even though it's a character, you know, a game where you play with as two women in the lead roles, like it never devolves in just like the stupid over the top, like sexism or anything like that. Like it very much is more just like attacks on the one character um, for being a thief and just more so like, you know, a character, Asav being this driven guy who's motivated by his own wealth and cares little about what damage it does to areas or culture or anything like that. So build up to, I thought was amazing. The train sequence is probably one of the better action sequences I've played in a long time, to be honest, just like the amount of craziness that's going on as you lead up to it with the fun uncharted gameplay mechanics going into it. And then when you actually fight them, again, it, it's not the best fight. A lot of it's almost akin to like a quick time event portions of it. But um, it's just a nice like feeling getting to it after he's been tormenting you for so much of the game to actually just get to kick his ass and put and put him down without any assistance from anyone. Uh, Nathan Drake's brother appears at the end. That's a spoiler for a 10 plus year old game, but who cares? But, um, you know, he he's a part of your your group at the time but he doesn't get involved it's purely you and your partner take him down and it, it's just a cool sequence all around so i appreciate that boss overall i've talked about that scene on this pod before that whole train sequence is uh, for me top notch yeah no it, it was excellent it, it was a shame like when we talked about briefly in on our recordings where um i believe i played that right before hopping into god of war ragnarok so i was kind of so more motivated about beating the game than actually like taking in what was going on but but very much like many of these games we play you you get removed from it a bit and you reflect and it's like holy shit that was really cool so um all right any other honorable mentions here for you trev are you gonna share your number one with us uh, I think I'm ready to finish things out. Uh, so, I mean, truthfully, I, I feel like it's kind of proper to to give an Elden Ring boss the, the top slot. It just seems like that is the game that I put the most hours into. It's probably, like, objectively the best gaming experience I had in 2022. But I'm not going to do that. Because you guys talked about most of the good ones already, and I feel like it's going to be very crowded here at the top. Um, but I will say before I actually say my top pick here, um, uh, Radon for the buildup was absolutely incredible. It makes you makes you feel like a superhero. It makes you feel like a myth or a legend, like waiting into battle. It, it's a it's a very like curated experience. Like it, the boss is presented to you like like a scene out of a movie or something. Um, not like some of the other bosses where you just open a door, fall down a pit, and you, it's just, oh, I guess we're fighting. <laughs> like that one has a a proper build up to it. Like it has a ring walk, like like for an actual like professional fight or something. It's spectacular. Um, and then in terms of a uh, design, uh, Rikard, um, I think just from an aesthetic standpoint, is a really incredible just monster. 
Um, just the, the head, the face on the back of a serpent. Um, it's, it's a gimmick fight. So like from a mechanical standpoint, it's, I don't know. It's not, it's not anything special, but it's, he's just cool to look at. Um, but if I'm being honest, like just to give a little bit of context, like story time here, like my number one boss fight is another Super Nintendo one. Uh, and it's all just like place and setting, honestly, is, is what it comes down to. Because um, I went to the uh, Retro Gaming Expo uh, in Portland. Uh, I've gone there a couple of times um, and I have a great time every time. But um there they have like vendors and stuff but they also have just rows and rows of like vintage video game consoles set up with crt televisions and whatnot and i had some downtime where the the girlfriend was off playing pinball and uh we're we're kind of like said we'll meet up in x number of minutes or whatever so i had already exhausted all my time with the vendors and whatnot and i happened upon a vacant uh gaming console um which is very rare uh, because they're free to play and you know there's tons of people walking around so there's always some assholes like camped out playing whatever the fuck game it does it's probably not even a game they actually want to play it's just available so they're gonna lay their grubby hands all over that controller <laughs> they probably don't even know how to play they probably haven't even gotten good <laughs> but in my case it just so happened that i walked by um super punch out on the super nintendo and i was like nobody's playing this like really it's just here okay <laughs> so i was like i got 20 minutes to kill so i sat down and i i beat that sucker like front to back it's a very short game jack um it's very short like if you're good at the game like if you have experience with it there are some fights in that game that take less than 10 seconds um, it's like like piston hurricane yeah. i think my best on him is seven seconds <laughs> um, um but I got to the end I, and I, I actually, what heightened the experience for me was one, I'm doing it in a public venue and I just got luck. I got lucky that it just happened to be a game that I know and I love. Um, but also there was no save file. Like the battery backup on the game was empty. Um, and the way that game works is there's a mode that you can, you can d- jump into if you've beaten the game and you can challenge any of the fighters that you want at any time you want but that's only available to you if you've beaten the game. Um, so when I when I picked up the controller, there was no save data. So I was like, if I beat the game, then that means the next person can pick whoever they want, whenever they want. So like I was like, oh, I'm actually doing some community service here. So I, I got to the end and I beat Nick Bruiser and I got to do the cool thing where you lay the controller down while the credits are rolling, which you, it's an old video game, so you can't skip the credits. So you just I was I just set the controller down and just just like like <laughs> hit that old dusty trail like some old gunslinger. It's like well, my job here is done. <laughs> I'm used to it. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you're very used to that. It's like, well, on to the next. <laughs> and just like that, Trevor was king of the nerds for one day. <laughs> yeah, for for 15 minutes i was king of the nerds at that place nobody noticed <laughs> so was nick bruiser your pick then for the uh best fight of the the run yeah i think in 2022 that was probably that was the most satisfying boss fight i ever had just because it was it was like meeting up with an old friend i hadn't i hadn't played that game in a really long time but like matt i'm sure can relate like you you remember the patterns like they, they come back 
So it's like, I know what to do. It's been a really long time, but I, I'm not scared at all. And it's like, you know, the girlfriend happened to be walking up when I was finishing it. And I was like, you know, I know you have no fucking clue what's going on right now, but it's important to me, damn it. <laughs> and, you know, I didn't choke and it felt it felt pretty fucking cool. You just described every single proud moment I've had in front of my wife. <laughs> She's looking, <laughs> looking at me disdainfully, <laughs> like, beaming from ear to ear. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure we've all been there, Jack. <laughs> Obviously, I can relate. Well, I can't. <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, the amount of times that the wife has walked in on me, and then while playing a From Soft game, and then all she walks into the room right when the "You Died" appeared, to which I immediately, of course, blame the fact that she entered the room as the cause of said death. So you know. Well, Dave, you, you can't relate to, you know, the, the wife or someone walking in on you, but you can relate in that you, you know, have endless conquests in Monster Hunter that no one in the room can relate to. <laughs> as much as you beam about your accomplishments, everybody's like, yep. <laughs> I've got them posted on YouTube all over the place. <laughs> I've been the yup guy at work for Dave Plummer's monster hunter conquest so many times (laughs) yeah so we did this and then it did that and then i did this in anticipation of it doing that jack's like that's cool i got (laughs) customers waiting dave i gotta go (laughs) (laughs) look the building's on fire i'm this that's a great one, Trev. Actually, it's it's always the best when there's something tied to it that like adds an extra layer, and that that's a cool experience. Like anytime you can roll credits in any public setting is all, honestly a pretty cool experience for anybody who's into video games, and especially with the you know the even though it's a retro convention, like an older game like that too, like because you know there's some young kids or where that have no idea how difficult the game is or how easy, so they just think, "Whoa, that old guy's super intense." All right, Jack, you're up. Number one, are you going to tease us some, some more uh, indie game bosses that you fought that only you'll know about? No, I won't tell you about any more taking Santa out. But um... that actually sounds really cool. I'm totally going to look <laughs> it up later. <laughs> it's like the whole time, I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Turn up the music. What do you do? Um, well, as I was saying, Thor was my number one, but I was going to talk about the bookended dual boss fights. Uh, but as Plummer took uh, the first half, I'll flip to my um, to my runner-up for that game, which, I mean, in, it, in any other year, this probably would have been my number one, and that's uh, Garm, the giant wolf that you, uh, that you release um, as Atreus, and then later, you and the father-son combo go back to hunt him down. And there's, they build a whole level around this this boss fight. It's not like it's just one, you know, scene. And they do it so, they they set it up perfectly. Like per, first, Atreus has to tell like all the different um, authority figures in his life that he freed this gigantic chaos wolf that's basically going to destroy the universe. And they all react in some similar fashion where there's like, you did what? Are you a fucking idiot? <laughs> and, um, and then they, they build up where you and uh, Kratos track them down. Or you as Kratos, I guess at this point, 
Um, and you have this really cool fight where this slobbering animal with teeth the size of, you know, half your body is, is duking it out with you. It's, it's basically, it's still got chains on it from where you freed it and it's whipping the chains at you. It's, it's doing these like, um, it's doing these like barrel rolls because it's this massive wolf that's a thousand times your size. And it's just so cool because one of the things that I really missed about the old God of War series, which I've only got a little bit of experience with, but in these new ones, they're, they're such great games, but they didn't like have that scale in the first game outside of like one awesome dragon scene. Um, but, but this wolf, it's, it nails the scale and it's beautiful. And then you think you take it out. And um, so you're kind of wandering over and I was kind of like, well, like that was really cool, but, like I wanted more. Like it was so good. Is that all they're gonna give me? And then all of a sudden, it freaking rears its ugly head and starts chasing you down throughout the level because it's come back to life. Leads to a second epic clash, and um, honestly, like one of the most satisfying conclusions to a to a boss. Where um, I mean, look, you can you can listen to it on our God of War Ragnarok podcast. I won't mention how it ends here because uh, I think it is is that good that you shouldn't know how it ends if you haven't experienced it, but it, it emotionally uh, just this beautiful moment um, that comes from what is an insane spectacle. I, I loved every moment of it. And uh, after that level, I was like, damn, this game might, might be Elden Ring for my favorite game of the year. Didn't quite reach those heights, but it, it, for, for a couple moments, it, it got, it got really close. Yeah, that ended up being my number six, and I had such a hard time scooting that in with Leshy, so I'm actually kind of glad I took Leshy over Garm because I would just skip over your entire list at that point, but or at least back up. Um, but yeah, no, I agree with you, Jack. The scale of it really made the game, and the fact that I recall being on the mic with you when I first played it, and... You know, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, the fight's over. You know, it's like, doo, 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 doo. I'm just going to go move on to the next level. And then it's like, katish, katish. And you're like, what the fuck? And then it's it's like, ah, ah, ah. and Jack's just cackling the whole time because I'm like, what the fuck? This thing's <laughs> coming after me. <laughs> Jack's just like, ha, ha, ha. I was waiting for that moment. So, yeah, good pick. Yeah, no, that was my number one actually uh was gone so no 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 it's it's perfect because you actually said everything that i needed to say so i i get out of having to really do anything here so i I, i'm glad uh you know that was also your pick i think the thor one um they're great for different reasons i think the garm one stands out to me just because it it's the whole length of it is just such a cool experience the technological spectacle of it because it's really just right up there and like like you said best jack when we recorded our thoughts on it where it's just a confident moment in gaming to just like put this like wolf face right up in the front and center in the screen where it's like so many nerds are gonna like detail like what you know the aesthetic and everything but it not only looks amazing but it's also just like an incredible sequence throughout so um Plus, you know, it just God of War really needed so, or it's always had some of the best boss fights throughout. That's like pretty much the reason I enjoyed the series. 
And with this one, Ragnarok, like there's a few that were kind of a letdown to, to be perfectly honest, but the ones that stood out were absolutely timeless to me. And, you know, both two of the biggest ones to me were mentioned here, the, the Garm and, and Thor with Garm stealing it slightly for me. Again, it, it was one of the ones we did a full episode to talk about. So, I mean, I, I have to tip my cap to that one because um, when that game hit, it was off the charts. Amazing. I've also got to tip my hat to Dave, who uh, I often refer to as uh, was heavy cream, the, the, the big spoiler, um, <laughs> but Dave, even though it was your number six, you did not drop it in your honorable mentions. And I just want to say thank you for that. Nicely done. Way to, way to leave me one for me to steal it from Matt. <laughs> well, I stole Dave's, even though I kind of knew it was coming. So I do feel like a dick in that regard. But Dave, like what separates Radon to you from Garm? I have to know, like, because going from one to a six, like, obviously, I'm not going to judge because you had some amazing ones in there. But what what really jumped out to you, Radon, that like put him over the top for you? It, you know, it's like what Trevor said, the curation behind it. Um, this is a tentpole boss fight. It was the first trailer released, you know, the teaser trailer for the game. It sets like this tone, but it's not just that. It's the design of the arena. You know, you got this brilliantly red battlefield that's scarred with dead bodies everywhere. Um, you've got this giant ur tree backdrop that night. Well, in fact, if you started during the day, when he goes up in his comet form and he comes down, he turns it in the night, you know. So, you know, there's just so many small, cool details about this um, map and, you know, this fight. And then at the end, you get this very, very strong spectacle showing how much power Radan had and what he did, you know, as a demigod and being like the top demigod and it was holding back all these stars and it just furthers this really very like eye pleasing, like high fantasy adventure where it's not you just going after the throne, but you're going to secure it for Rani. And, you know, that's, you know, and Redan is part of that quest line. I believe you have to go through him to get to it. So um, yeah, it, it, it just has this mythos behind it. Your, your honor killing, this general that you know was like the hero of the land you know and that's to me set up a bigger i think like boss uh garm is an impressive boss he's large he has a very cool ending to the whole thing and there's an emotional tie but um i feel like there was just so much more poured into this redan fight than i would say into garm in the sense that you know this like I said, it's a tenpole boss fight, you know, and they really shown it that way. I mean, I can't disagree with anything you said. And I do have to say it is pretty neat the way they frame him in the intro where it makes it look like he's a big menacing creature. And then you kind of figure, find out later that actually he was the good guy and that, that the small figure is actually the really imposing one in the duel between uh, him and was it Melania, I believe. So, um, yeah, I was only teasing you earlier about the the monster hunter business there, Dave. <laughs> but on that note, 
Um, I, I did want to like maybe poke you about that where like just from a mechanical standpoint, I feel like because you have so many hours put into that kind of game that's so reliant on community and, and teamwork and whatnot, I feel like that's so baked into the Radon fight that it's like probably felt kind of just like warm and cozy for you. Like, cause for me, like I, I tend to approach a lot of like FromSoft games as like very solitary experiences. Like Elden Ring was kind of a game changer in that way for me personally, where it was like the first time I ever really actively used and like offered up services as a summon and whatnot. But for you, like, I'm sure that was just like, Oh, well, this is this is my jam. <laughs> like this is this is my stuff. Yeah, no, I fought him. I think seventy one, seventy two times. You know, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, not all of those ended up with the victory, but a vast majority did. In fact, I have a fight where it's two minutes and seventy one seconds long, and that's including the initial meeting up after the summon. You know, till the end of the fight. So. Um, yeah, this was something that I got super excited about because Monster Hunter World has all these amazing looking bosses to me. And that's like the biggest click is that I find all these like really, really cool, really interesting. And here comes Radon. And I feel the same way about this. And even though all the movesets aren't the same, but the dodge mechanics involved in there, you know, like peeling off to get a heal while, you know, Blythe and you know the teapot and all these other characters are off you know fighting him just really kind of brought me back into that same womb like feeling of oh yeah yeah I'm on a hunt and I'm hunting Redan for like the 55th time going after his rune arc so it's yeah. definitely like a great fight it this this fight's probably one of my top three ever you know yeah, I was just so impressed by it and I really kind of wish I'd have fought him pre-patch because i thought i fought the easier version i really want to see what like the harder one was like yeah dave uh it ain't uh monster hunter world but i got this guy here this is kind of a prized possession on my bookshelf it's a like people they're only listening monster hunter illustrations it's a big old tome of a like all the artwork they did for the original iteration of monster hunter really those games are absolutely beautiful to look at like i've never really actually laid hands on one but they're they're pretty special in that way dave do you have your uh radar set on uh wild hearts coming out i kind of i'm hesitant to want to get invested into that because it like it's not so much the genre that i really got hooked into it was it was the music of Monster Hunter World. It was like the world it was in. It was the armor sets. It was getting to know the different monsters. I mean, by the end of it, I pretty much, by looking at which monsters were in a certain area, I could tell how the fight was going to go. You know, was, I don't want to say it became scripted out, but it became pretty scripted out. So I, I don't know if I got it in me to try to adopt this game to replace that while they wait for monster hunter world two, which is what I'm doing. And I just feel like, because I'm going to get something similar to monster hunter world and it's going to be more of a total experience than chasing after a genre. So. Well right. said. Yeah. 
No, it, you're starting to sway me here, Dave, a bit. I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I still like my Garm as my top pick, but, um, or Thor. I'm kind of, I, I, I'm going to give the God of War at the slight edge for the boss fight, but Radon, I'm, I'm really comfortable with my number two. Um, gentlemen, oh, I a, thought you were, I was swaying you into Monster Hunter World. No, that'll Damn. never happen. Not God a, damn it. Not I thought it was, I was like, what? <laughs> No, maybe if I get kicked out of the house and I'm forced to move into my parents' RV or whatever, then you and I can hook it up and, you know, I could be in the Lachero stealing your internet from across the street. But in the interim, yeah. I feel like the metaphor for Dave trying to get Matt into Monster Hunter World is like that that nerdy kid who just longs after like the most popular girl in school. (laughs) (laughs) Dave, you just got to accept it's never going to (laughs) happen. Persistence is key and psychotic, <laughs> but it's definitely key. Pretty sure that's how you beat Monster Hunter World too. So, you know. all right, boys. Any last thoughts on your best boss fights of 2022? I love, I love best boss fights. Thanks for making this happen, Matt. All right. Well, I have to say, I'm. Uh, Pretty excited that we managed to make it through. And I didn't have to mention any of the bosses from Deathloop because I didn't enjoy Deathloop. And the Tree Sentinel, I I will throw out there as a small honorable mention because I think that was an awesome boss for Elden Ring to just whoop up on people from the first chance they get exposed to the open world. And that's such a perfect FromSoft, like, fuck you. So there's probably five Elden Ring bosses that could have made my top 10 list. And I just, you can, you know, listen to our other pods if you want to hear about them, but. I I think there's five solid ones. Um, I would have to give it some thought to, to put it into fair order, but there's at least five memorable ones that I would take from it. And that, that I think is just a testament how great that game was that, you know, we couldn't even really highlight more than a couple here, but um before we go, Trevor, again, as mentioned, you come from the Catching Up on Cinema podcast where you and your buddy uh, review movies. Uh, what's your theme currently that you're working on this month? Uh, February 2023 is Guilty Pleasures Month. Uh, we're taking a look at movies that, in my case, I regard as ones that I'm kind of embarrassed to like to the degree that I do. Like, case in point, Ernest Goes to Jail was was my pick for the first week of February 2023. Uh, so it's going to be a bunch of not so great movies probably this month, but uh, hopefully we have a lot of fun with it. <laughs> you got a spark from Nicole, so she might tune into that pod. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I thought it was a pretty good one. We did have a guest on the show, uh, Chase Keys from the Snescapades podcast. So there's three voices on that recording and we did change up the format pretty dramatically because I'm trying to do a thing but hopefully it worked out at the end <laughs> right on well i imagine you can find catching up on cinema on pretty much anywhere where a podcast is located online so uh unless there's a particular server that they should be looking for in general there trev uh we do have a website at catching up on cinema.com and yeah it is available on pretty much every platform you can imagine including uh kind of a, a niche one called bitcade uh, that a buddy of mine actually administrates. Um, and uh, also you can find me on the social medias uh, in the form of the Instagram at catching up on cinema, as well as the Twitter at catching cinema. So feel free to give me a poke there. If you are so inclined, I'll probably respond maybe. Right on. Well, boys, it's been a pleasure. 
This has been Couch Co-op Video Game Podcast, Best Boss Fights of 2022. Thank you so much for listening. Take care.